0: Let's uh, let's stop and pray before we start this morning. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this couple of days that we've been together, for the things that we've learned and come to know. And Lord, our, our real goal is that others can come to know you. And that's why we're here. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us and mold us and shape us in such a way that that would be possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Daniel Tolan, and I am a physician. I work with the Christian Medical and Dental Association. I've been with uh, CMDA in the Center for Medical Missions as the associate uh, director there for the last uh, six years. Uh, Before that, well, long before that, I was a missionary kid in Bolivia, South America. Uh, My parents were church planters, uh, and I think that's really where my love for missions and the world uh, started to grow. And following that, My dad pastored a church, a couple of churches, and then um, I became a Christian during my sophomore year of of college, met my wife, and went to uh, medical school, and off we went uh, right after residency to Kenya, Africa, where we spent from 1989 to uh, 2003 full-time with World Gospel Mission. We're still with World Gospel Mission. I just work on loan. Uh, with uh, CMDA and the Center for Medical Missions, and my heart and passion is is students, Uh, people that are uh, in the pipeline preparing for for missions. And I'm excited uh, today to be able to uh, talk with you um, about uh, the possibilities of uh, international medical missions rotation overseas or uh, even in a domestic area. Is this not picking up? There it is. Is that better? Okay. Did you hear any of that? No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And uh, you may be, let me just add something to this one. Did a, uh, I was one of the fortunate ones that uh, did a uh, rotation overseas when I was a fourth-year medical student. And I can very re- well remember walking into uh, the men's medical and surgical ward on the very first uh, first day. And here's a, a, a ward with uh, 22 beds and about 60 men laying in those beds. Um, if you had to lie in a bed with more than one guy, you One guy would lay this way and two guys on the outside would lay the other way. uh, And you just shared a bed. Uh, There were people under the bed on the floor. And I walked in and I thought, wow, this is my assignment. I'm supposed to make rounds here and if I find uh, problems I can't handle, I'm supposed to go off and get uh, one of the missionary docs. So I went to the first bed and um, here's this guy that had cut off most of his heel and foot on a motorcycle chain. And uh, he was laying there, and he had been had some surgical care done already. Uh, and he stu- stood up out of his bed, and he handed me this gourd. And he said, "Here, drink this." And I, "How? You know, huh, what is what is this strong drink? What is this drink this stuff?" So I took the top off, and I smelled it, and it uh, smelled uh, just awful. It was uh, it was more sick. Uh, it's appropriately named in the culture because the more you drink it, the more sick you get, I think. But it's M-U-R-S-I-K, Mursik. And it's made by putting uh, milk into this gourd, and you set the gourd out into the sun. And before you have uh, set it out in the sun, you you put some charcoal in there, and you rub the inside of the gourd with a charcoal stick. Then you sit it in the sun for three days and just get it nice and, you know, with a really... Comes out in a big wad of stuff, it's really supposed to be good. And so he's handing me this thing and says, Here, drink this. And I thought, hmm, I have 60 men in this ward. Um, they're looking at me and wondering what I'm going to do. So I drank it. Um, I, I chewed it. I did everything I had to do to get the stuff down. Uh, actually, it's not so bad. Um, I've kind of grown to like more sick. Um, but after that, aprono, when I would come into the ward, he organized everybody for me. He was shouting directions. Everybody get in their bed. Grab your chart. Get inside. The doctor's here. Da-da-da-da. And he was going on and on. And I thought, man, it's a good thing I drank that stuff. This guy is really on my side. Um, a couple weeks later, uh, I was staying in one of the missionaries' homes. I, I walked out the door early in the morning. And there's a Raperono sitting underneath a tree with his crutches. And he gets up and he hands me three eggs and a little gourd of morsig. And uh, I said, hey, raprono, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, did you come for an appointment today? No. Um, did you... Are you coming for a checkup, or are you having a problem? No. Mm-mm. Well, Why'd you come? Well, Dr. I came to give you this gift. Three eggs and a gourd of milk. A gourd of Morsik. I want you to experience that kind of thing. He was a Christian guy, and uh, we just had a good time. Together of of fellowship, and I want you to be able to experience that kind of uh, thing. And you, you may be saying, well, you know, I'd like to, but how do I, how do I start, and where do I find the information? And it's kind of overwhelming to, in this day of information overload. I knew one mission hospital because I got married into a missionary family. my father-in-law, Dr. Sturry, was the director of the hospital. And so, you know, when I started thinking, where am I going to go for an overseas rotation? Oh, my father-in-law will take me in, surely. And so off I went. And um, But now you guys have so much information out there, and it's so hard to choose uh, from amongst all the different opportunities. How do you start? And you need someone with experience to talk to. Who? Well... You might be somebody here that's an educator this morning. I gave this talk here a couple years ago, and uh, just about three months ago, I received a note from somebody that said, I'm a nursing school instructor. I was in your talk. I went back to our uh, nursing school somewhere in Ohio, and um, we decided to establish a a cross-cultural missions experience that's required for every one of our uh, nursing school graduates um, because we see value in that. And so you might be an educator and you're wondering, how do I ensure uh, quality experience? Uh, how do I ensure supervision, that there's going to be some value, that there's going to be some reporting? Um, man, are, if I send some students off, are they going to be safe? Uh, all good questions. Uh, we'll talk about some of that this morning what to throw this computer here? Here we go. No. We're going fast this morning. Stop. Maybe God's telling us we're supposed to do something else. I don't know. Let me see if this will... Yeah. Can you see it all right like that? Let's try it like this, see if it works. Okay. Okay. Lesson number one: You're doing medical missions. You got to be flexible. No matter what happens, you just got to keep going. Uh, I've been there a lot of times. Been doing a C-section in the middle of the night. Uh, the electricity goes off, and fortunately, I'd walked up the hill with a big mega torch in my hand. So we just held that over and just kept going. Uh, and you just you just have to do what you need. You just do what you need to do uh, to keep things uh, going. So. Um, there are really great opportunities for uh, students in every field. Uh, it doesn't matter what, uh, what area you're in. Uh, if you're a resident in training, if you're a student, if you're in physical therapy, pharmacy, radiology, uh, whatever you are in, uh, there are great opportunities these days. And, and should you go, I mean, I mean okay, now I've got to figure out how to make this one work. There we go. Why, why go to a cross-cultural setting? Number one, you're going to be able to uh, think outside of your box. Right now, when, when you're in your training, when you're in the place that you are, you're trained to think in a certain way. Uh, you admit somebody to the hospital right now or you, you're working on whatever. Uh, you do certain things in, according to our culture. Uh, if you go to... Uh, a cross-cultural setting. You're going to start thinking in new paradigms. Um, God's going to speak to you in a much different way when you're outside of your comfort zone. Um, when you are outside of your comfort zone, God can really get a hold of your heart and say, hey, uh, Daniel, I want you to listen to me about this. Um, so I, I really encourage you, get out of your comfort zone and see, see what happens. Um, what... You know, you read about malaria, you read about leprosy, you, s- you read about tuberculosis, um, you read about bowel obstructions from worms. How many people have seen a bowel obstruction from, from worms? You know, just before you, you came here, a couple of guys, but not probably uh, uh, in the U.S. Um, and uh, but you know, when you when you read about these things. They go out of your mind. But when you take care of somebody and you put a face with that uh, and you put a soul with that, then you begin to realize that, man, you know, uh, these things are real and they're exciting. And this is an exciting way to learn to practice medicine. Um, your diagnostic skills and clinical abilities will really improve greatly. Um, Kenya is where I really learned to use a stethoscope. Um, you know, I, I see students and residents now come in to uh, the Veterans Hospital in Murnsroom in Johnson City, Tennessee, where I do some part-time work. And, you know, I think, I'm not even sure you listen to that patient, and he's being admitted for a cardiac problem. Well, you know, they've got the echo, they've got the BNAP, they've got the, uh, you know, everything, every test available to them. But they forget that the patient is laying there, the person's laying there, and they would love for you just to put your hands on them. Um, and you know there is a reason for both sides of that stethoscope. Uh, and you know you, you learn to use that thing in uh, in a cross-cultural setting because you don't have all those things available to you. Uh, if you're a student, you're going to jump start start your in, internship. Uh, you're going to if you, uh, if you spend two to three months overseas, you will approach your internship far ahead of everybody else. Um, I spent three and a half months of my uh, senior year in med school in, in Kenya. And uh, when I started my internship um, in general surgery, uh, guys were letting me do stuff that none of the other, other interns were, were doing just because I had a confidence about myself because of what I had experienced in, in Africa. I'd been there. I'd made some decisions that were important uh, decisions and uh, it just really, really helps you. It also is going to help you gain insight into the meaning of what what do we mean by affordable, equitable, holistic, accessible health care. I can remember in the early 90s, we had a tremendous drought in Kenya. And uh, at the time, the hospital was really, really struggling financially. I started telling the students and the residents, look, if you're going to order a complete blood count, you've got to go down the list of every one of those tests and tell me on the chart why you need that and what the difference is going to make as far as this diagnosis in this person. Maybe all you need is a hematocrit. Maybe all you need is just a white blood cell count. But probably you don't need any of that. And you know what? You are never forced to think like that here. You know why? Because you don't stop and think here, if I order this, what am I doing for this patient? And at that time, if you ordered a complete blood count, you were taking food off the table for that family for a whole week. And I wanted the students to think like that, to say, do I need to take food off this family's table for a full week in order this, in order this you 're not going to experience that uh, in the in the u s okay, so you 're thinking I, I do want to uh, go overseas uh, in a cross cultural setting. you have to plan early. My wife was the uh, coordinator for students. Uh, we did a lot with students, we loved having students. I liked especially getting the first and second year students because man, they were so impressionable, you know you could just twist an arm this way and get that bone straight, and they'd think, wow, man, that's just awesome. And, you know, they'd never seen anything like that, and you'd just let them hold the elbow while you did that, and, man, God would call them into missionary medicine in a heartbeat at that point. <laughs> uh, but it was just a great way, you know, to, we loved having students in our home and different things like that. But you have to begin planning early. Uh, my department, the Center for Medical Missions, uh, the uh, Campus Ministries uh, section of CMDA can start helping you plan early. Uh, that's some, uh, some of our duties and what we're about. So you need to stay in touch with us. Let's look at some of the common questions um, that people, uh, people ask. I'm sorry about this uh, PowerPoint. Not sure what's happened. It looks a lot different on my screen than it looked an hour ago. So, anyway, get viruses, I guess. Okay. Uh, when when should you go? That's a common question. If you if you look at uh, your your school, your, if you're looking for academic credit, you're probably going to have to go in the in your final year, uh, maybe your third year, maybe your fourth year. Um, and I really think that uh, as we, um, Cindy, can you help me switch to this one? has done. you really need to start early. It is going to take you 12 to 18 months to uh, to work through the process of, of finding a place, getting set up. Uh, you really need to start early. Uh, and if the good places fill up early. I know that um, when we were at Tenwick Hospital and Kajabi Hospital in Kenya, those two places are very popular. They're not the only places. They may not even be the best places, but they are very popular, and they fill up early. All the slots are usually filled for medical students at least – a year ahead of time uh, for some of the other uh, slots, uh, uh, less well known, and uh, you can—they um, don't fill up so quickly. But you need to apply early. If you're making last-minute decisions, you're really going to uh, regret it. Um, so really, start early. Getting but getting started is the hard part. So what's the first thing you need to do? You really need to go to your academic dean's office and say, okay, what's what's the uh, what is the What's the requirements? How do I receive credit for this? Where will you let me go? And when will you let me go? There's no reason for you to um, spend a lot of time searching out someplace and then find out that your, your uh, school is not going to let you travel to the country of Timbuktu for some reason. Uh, so f- start with your academic requir- requirements first and find out what those are going to be. Um, Then you can start with uh, some very broad questions next. You can start with saying, okay, where am I going to uh, go? Do I have an interest in a special part of the world? Um, Is there a certain people group or religious group I want to work with? Start narrowing things down like that. And then uh, you can begin looking on the Internet. We also have a booklet um, that I'll talk about in just a second uh, through CMDA. But as you start narrowing things down, and start thinking about, is there a specific culture, or a specific people group, a specific religious group I want to work with? Those things will all help you uh, narrow narrow down uh, trying to choose a, a, lo- a location. Um, sure. And then if you if you want to. Uh, you, you may say, "Am I going to have a certain interest in uh, in in medicine, as far as a, a, me- a hospital or a clinic that I want to go to?" Oh man, what was that? <laughs> My two grandkids smooching on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Had trouble hearing so. Okay, you may say, do I have a hospital I want to go to or would I prefer to be in a public health clinic, would I prefer to be in a government uh, setting? Um, Don't think just of uh, mission hospitals as the only way to do a rotation. There are a number of uh, opportunities with with government clinics, with government uh, hospitals, especially in the 1040 window. Uh, You go to Africa, there's... Tons of mission hospitals. You go to other places, and a majority of the missionaries are working outside of the mission hospitals and more in a government uh, clinic area. Let's see if we can enlarge this on now. All right. See that all right? All right. Thank you. Um, And you may be, or you may have a specific disease that you want to look at. Uh, You might be interested in HIV-AIDS. There's places that you can get uh, a great experience with that, river blindness, tuberculosis. I ran a uh, tuberculosis clinic for uh, uh, about 10 years in Kenya. Uh, David Stevens, who's the director of CMDA, was the director of my hospital. And he called me in and he said, um, I want you to, to, be, uh, to take care of the TB program. And I thought, wow, David, you've asked the right guy. Uh, I saw... One guy with tuberculosis in all of my med school and residency, and I saw him from across the room because it was grand rounds. I said, I am well prepared for this, uh, and I'm going to hate it. It's going to be, speed them all over me, and I'm going to die of tuberculosis. Uh, that's all I could think about. But then I thought, no, God's put me here for a reason. David has asked me this. I've got to trust him as my leader. So off we went to the tuberculosis ward. Um, I started working with TB patients, and I started working with their families. And we started requiring everybody in the family to get a checkup before we discharged the TB patient. And at first people were resistant to that. Then we told them why. And they said, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, let's do that. Um, we reached a point where we were diagnosing 800 people a year with tuberculosis. Um, and every one of those people came with a family unit of some sort, a community around them, and you had a chance to get involved with them and, and minister to them. Uh, some of my most memorable interactions with patients, especially spiritually, happened because of that uh, tuberculosis uh, ward. Um, and you can, have the, you can have the same experience uh, even as a, as a student. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the traditional mission hospitals, but don't forget that there's government hospitals, government clinics, a lot of missionaries working in places like that, uh, really a great, uh, a great opportunity. Indiana University works with Moy University in Kenya. Uh, there's a lot of Christian docs in, involved in that program. Um, that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, Brown University, so many universities are setting up programs now overseas. And seek those things out. Um, the other thing uh, that I really want to... Uh, remind you of also is a lot of development and aid organizations. Uh, you can find some tremendous Christian people working in some development and aid organizations, um, very secular organizations, but some very strong committed Christian people that you can work alongside, uh, and we um, those are possible to find, uh, and great great opportunities for you as a student. Okay. Um, What are some resources for you to help find uh, some of your uh, preceptor sites, Uh, www cmda.org, and link under missions, and you can find our booklet on international uh, and national preceptor sites for students. Uh, This booklet is being revised right now. By the first of the year, uh, we will have it in a form that can be updated continuously, and if you come across some things that you think need to be in that booklet, we would really love to hear about that from you um, and uh, send that in. But in in this thing, you will find the information such as uh, what kind of rotations are available, what are the costs, uh, how long do I have to stay, um, is there housing available, just a number of things like that, and just kind of a general description of, of the place and what you can expect to do as a student. Uh, your local uh, CMDA chapter, other ch- uh, uh, Bible study groups, um, are, are good sources for, for information, um, go to, again to your, your dean's uh, office because most schools will maintain a list. You, know, they may, you may search down that list and find that somebody 15 years ago from Wake Forest University went to Timbuktu, and, and uh, you can find the contact there, so that's a, a great place. Just go to your dean's list and find out who's gone where in the past. Go to your church, uh, your pastor, your missions committee. Uh, if your church supports a missions, uh, healthcare mission and you go on that, that's virtually a guaranteed funding source also for you because people in your church are going to get excited. Hey, here's student, uh, Joe going over to, uh, help Dr. Bob over in, in, uh, Afghanistan and they're really going to get behind you. Uh, and that can be a really exciting thing. Okay, um, I've been on the receiving end of some really long letters. Man, somebody, you know, I'm interested in coming to your hospital. I start, I, I cut my first tooth at such and such. I started walking at such and such date. Just keep your application process short and to the point, and just you need to introduce yourself though. You say I'm, I'm a medical student. I'm a nursing student. Um, This is what God is doing in my life right now. People are not going to be too interested in saying, you know, this is my Christian background from way long time ago. What they're really going to want to know is what is God doing in your life right now and why are you seeking to go as a student to the field? Um, And if you can put that in a letter, a little bit of introduction, um, people will perk up their ears and listen to you. And then make sure that you ask about other organizational requirements uh, as you you write your letter. Uh, But, again, the task of getting there is long. There's a lot of things to do. You need to probably form a little spreadsheet um, because you will come to the end and you'll say, you know what, I forgot I'm supposed to get hepatitis B vaccine, and I don't have it. I don't have my third one. Um, or I'm supposed to get the meningitis or typhoid or something like that. So make sure you're keeping up with this uh, this list long before the, the due dates come up. Early on, you also need to start asking about financial uh, obligations. Uh, find out what it's going to cost. You can generally assume that it's going to be a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks uh, plus your international travel costs. So you're, gonna, you're looking at maybe three thousand to thirty five hundred bucks to spend a couple of months overseas. And um, if you, there, there are places you can get scholarships to help you. Um, number one, start with your church start with your missions committee. Go to them. Don't be afraid to ask them and say, "You know, I'm I'm doing this. Uh I'm excited about it. What can you do to uh to give me some advice? Set up a tax deductible account to which people can uh, can donate." And then um don't forget who's going to be your biggest supporters, your family members. Let them know what you're doing early on. Start forming a a team of people that can can uh, pray pray for you early on. There are some scholarships available. Uh, The Christian Medical and Dental Associations provides uh, partial scholarships for students and residents in their their third and fourth year. Uh, We're looking for funding to do first and second year. We haven't come up with uh, donors yet that will do that. Um, but we would really encourage uh, you to contact us because uh, there is money available uh, to help you with some of your travel costs. The Reader's Digest International Foundation uh, provides a lot of scholarships, um, and uh, I, I, they went through some difficult times, but I think that they're uh, coming back now to, to be able to do that um, through the medical assistance program. Uh, my son went uh, overseas, and he went to the Office of International Affairs at East Tennessee State University and got uh, 2000 bucks. I couldn't believe it. I thought uh, a secular university is providing my son $2,000 to go to uh, Sierra Leone and work in a missions uh, agency with World Hope International providing water for people. Um, there's... Look in some of those places. There is money available. Check with your international affairs or office. What do you need to do to prepare yourself? Um, First of all, during this time, you're out of your comfort zone. You need to begin early on asking God, what can I do? Um, What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn from this? Um, you need to set up an accountability partner, a prayer partner early on, somebody who you're going to be able to just sit and talk with and say, you know, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what's going to challenge me. Uh, I'm going to be away from my spiritual comfort zone. I need you to pray with me that I'm going to spend time in my own Bible praying um, build a team of those who will, who will pray for you. Communicate with them. It's so much easier these days. Just virtually anywhere you can go, you can, you can get out email messages uh, in some way uh, or little text messages or something uh, to people back home and let them know uh, frequently uh, what's going on so that they'll be praying for you. Um, there are some recommendations on, in that booklet that uh, will be coming out in January. Uh, As to some readings, and I would uh, really uh, encourage you to look at that. The other thing that I really encourage you is that you need to seek a mentor. Um, It would be good if you can seek a mentor both in stateside or wherever you're from, uh, your home, and also seek a mentor where you're going. Right ahead. Uh, Not many people did this, but I think it's something that we really need to uh, encourage people to do is to write ahead and say, would you please identify a mentor for me as I go through this process when I'm there? And ask for two people, because most often you may be communicating uh, with uh, an expatriate, person, and they're going to think, okay, uh, they're going to think about an expatriate as your mentor. You really need a national also um, to be a mentor, because you're going to want to begin to look at understanding culture and worldview and many things that are so necessary to understand um, what, what it is that uh, God asks us to do in a cross-cultural basis. And you can't... You cannot accomplish what God wants us to do spiritually without understanding culture and worldview. That's best learned from a national. Spend time with them and try to identify someone who's going to be really, really helpful to you. Um, there's going to be some downtime. Don't neglect that. You need to have some downtime. Down I remember as a student, uh, Dad Sturry said to me, uh, You know, you need, to, you need to plan for a day off. And not that name, you know. A day off? No, I'm here three months. I can work three months without a day off. About uh, 10 10 to 12 days into this, after making rounds on that ward and doing surgeries and seeing outpatients and all this kind of stuff, my tail was dragging. And I went to Dad and I said, Dad, I need a day off. He said, yeah, I told you. And uh, so... Take some time off. You need to have that. You need to have some downtime. But don't waste that downtime. Uh, use it for your own personal and spiritual growth. Use that downtime to spend a lot of time with, with nationals. Uh, get in the, get into their homes. Take walks with them. Uh, get into the places that they feel most comfortable. Get into their comfort zones. And that's where you're gonna learn the most. About what life is like uh, wherever wherever you are. And then I think it's very important that when you come back, you have adequate time and force yourself to debrief. Okay, most people come back and they just jump right into the rat race here. You know, you you get off the plane and people shake your hand. Hey, welcome back. How's your trip? Fine, man. I you want to tell a story or something and people are on to the next question already. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And uh, you don't get time to debrief. You don't get time to talk with anybody. You don't get time to process um, everything that you've just experienced. And you need to do that. You really do. Um, Our department is willing to debrief with you if you would like to do that. But but it would be much more important for you, I think, to debrief with a a local pastor, with your mentor that you had, with your prayer team or your prayer partner. Um, Don't underestimate the value of debriefing uh, because that's the time when God can really speak with you and say this is what uh, I wanted you to learn and cement that in your mind. And then there were so many times that... uh, I see people that go somewhere, and then they come back, and then they just never communicate again with all those people that they uh, were with. Um, I I can't tell you the number of students that we would have uh, in Africa year after year that would come. They would be so excited, and then you just never heard anything from them. And you wonder, what? how could it have been different in their lives if they had taken some time to communicate? Uh, I think that uh, communicating back to the place you've been to, doing some follow-up, can add so much to your experience on a uh, long-term basis. Um, Let me just make a mention of a couple things. One is uh, our department puts out a a little publication called Your Call. Uh, This is a... Uh, electronic publications full of all kinds of missions, stories, challenges, book reviews, opportunities to serve, a lot of news about missions, um, different things like that, and uh, it's fun to put out, and it's fun for to hear people that get it, uh, their comments. Uh, if you want to uh, receive that, there's some sign-up sheets at each door. You can just lay one of your stickers on there, and we'll put you on the uh, your call list. It's really for students to uh, keep their keep their fires burning about missions, uh, to keep them excited about uh, missions, um, and so it's really for you. Let me stop here just a little bit and see if. If you have some questions, I know some of this material is kind of dry, you know, but it's it's it, some of it's necessary material that you just have to stop and think about it as you prepare to to go. Yes. Do you have, also about about yes, um, it's a good question about uh, domestic missions. Um, part of this uh, the the revision of this booklet will will include uh information about uh, domestic uh, missions um and you can find that um you can also find out a lot of information about domestic missions through our our campus and community ministry section um that that's probably rather than from the national office you're probably going to find a lot more information out about from your local chapter or your regional director they're they're going to be much more in touch with what is going on um on a, on a regional level in domestic missions. Um, and and let, me, let me just emphasize a couple of things to you. Uh, I'm glad you brought that uh, question up about domestic missions. Um, you know, I, I, have a, I have a regret that when I was in medical school and residency, I didn't get more involved in something going on right there because I kept, thinking, uh, I kept thinking in my mind, I'm getting prepared, I'm getting prepared, I'm getting ready for over there, out there, doing something in the future. Um, and I think I would have been a much more effective missionary had I began to prepare myself by getting involved locally and understanding. In fact, if we can't get ourselves to do that here, I wonder sometimes why we think we're going to be effective over there, um, and I—if if we can't learn to incorporate—the um, most difficult place is in your own culture, um, because in my culture, right here in the United States, you know, people are a, a threat to me, you know, in a way. You go overseas, and you know, if you witness, you talk, people aren't a threat to you. They, you know, it, it's too easy. And here it's much more difficult. You train yourself to be involved in spiritual ministry and work it out in, in your culture here where it's much more difficult. You will be much more effective in an overseas type of setting. And uh, I think um, the area of domestic missions, especially in healthcare, care, uh, is a critical area that we really need to uh, look at and expand um, let me just mention also February 5th uh, in Johnson City, Tennessee. There will be a, a one day um, missions conference that looks at uh, a lot of issues in domestic uh, missions. Uh, it does have some focus on international missions, but also on domestic missions as well. And uh, we're, there'll be some speakers there that are really doing some great things in domestic uh, missions. And um, so, if you're interested in that, that is on the CMDA website. Yes. Just a suggestion. Yes. Keeping a daily journal. Absolutely. On your trip, and how God has answered your prayers and you? Yeah, keeping a daily journal. Thank you. That's an absolute wonderful suggestion because you'll you'll come away and you'll you'll forget so easily, and keeping a daily journal. And start it from the beginning, start it a year beforehand. be writing out some prayers, be writing out some things that uh some questions that are in your mind you go you'll be amazed as you go back and look at that journal. you'll be amazed and say, "Wow, God is really teaching me some things and that is that is so neat to realize in our in our lives when when we do realize that. Thank you, yes. Yes, this, 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 that's one thing I want to emphasize. Is even though with our site says Christian Medical and Dental, it's really I really wish. This, well, the Center for Medical Missions that I work in, we try not to put words in there like that. We want it to be in, We want it to be for every person who's involved in healthcare in some way, healthcare administration, um, pharmacy, everybody, just absolutely everybody. Um, and yes, that booklet um, will will have listings of um, when we when we survey a place. Now we are asking about 20 different opportunities. Do you have do you have information or uh, or rotations for somebody in community health? Do you have rotations for somebody in pharmacy? Uh, so that will be listed there. Yes. Yes. Uh, In the meantime, like, uh, we have to set up our rotations in December. where can we go more information? Um, You can go to the current edition of the the booklet. There's still a lot of great information there, but we're just putting it out in a new format and revising a lot of the information starting in January. Another question somewhere? I thought I saw a hand. Yes. Um, it's going to take you about two weeks to even be glad that you're there. Uh, you know, you're going to, generally, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be jet-lagged, you're taking malaria medicine that makes you have bad dreams, uh, and, you know, you're in a, you don't know how to spell malaria, let alone know how to treat it, um, and you've you've never seen anybody with tuberculosis, and you're wondering, man, am I just in everybody's way? So, you know, it takes you about ten days to two weeks, honestly. Um, Then it takes you another two weeks to really get up to speed, and then in your last month you're really going good. So I I would say for for students, I really recommend eight weeks. Residents... uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to get eight weeks off of a residency rotation, um, but uh, doing doing three to four weeks for residents can be extremely valuable. Um, people from all of the other uh, allied health professions, um, you know, I, I still would recommend eight eight weeks. I sp- I spent three and a half months and loved it. I even arranged more time from over there. It was so much fun. So, yes. The question was uh, about community health. And well, one of the scholarships expects or has a stipulation that you spend some time doing community health. And really okay. Um, yeah, one of the scholarship, scholarships does stay, say something about community health. Um, you know, it, it's really going to vary from place to place. Um, what that scholarship is, is more interested in, in is are you thinking outside of the walls of the hospital? Are you, trying to, are you trying to put yourself in that person's shoes and say, do I really need a, this CBC and take money from his pocket to pay for that CBC, things like that? Um, you know, what's the community impact of, of the hospital? Um, so if you're in a hospital setting. Um, for those of you that are really interested in, in uh, community health, um, I would recommend a couple of things. ECHO does a couple of great uh, workshops on community health in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, And there are some uh, programs in community health that uh, you can become part of. Now, when you're you're communicating early on to a hospital, if you're just writing back and forth and saying, I want to come and I want to work and get some experience, people are going to just kind of plug you into a broad experience there. If you have a specific area, if you want to go to uh, Tenwick Hospital that does have a very large community health program, um, you're not going to get to spend much time in community health, if any time at all, unless you specifically say, I want to spend um, two weeks, four weeks in the community health department and tell them why. It will be arranged, but uh, don't just assume because it's there you're going to get to – be part of it. You need to you need to communicate that ahead of time. And uh, the more communication that you can do with your mentor over there, whoever's making your arrangements, uh, the better off you'll be. Yes. Okay. Okay. What do I mean by community health? Um, why don't you? Talk to me afterwards, okay? I think that'll be the easiest way to handle that. But basically, we're talking about preventive health care, immunizations, prenatal care within the villages, boiled, boiling water, um, uh, community spiritual health, um, a, a lot of different things like that. So, I, I can take you to the exact point where I stood in the sidewalk when a rap came up to me as a student and he said, I can't swallow. Food's sticking in my throat. I'm losing weight. Um, please help me. I knew he had cancer of the esophagus. I was a fourth year medical student. And we did a barium swallow and we saw that he'd already had a fistula that had developed into his lungs. And I was praying. I said, God, I, I don't know how to lead people to Christ in this culture. Um, Would you please show me how? That was kind of my my prayer. I explained to Rob Rono. I said, Rob Rono, we can't do anything for you but put a feeding tube directly into your stomach and maybe give you some comfort and care. You know what he said to me? He said, can you pray with me and help me find Jesus? (laughs) I thought... God, thank you. Yes. I can take you to the spot on the sidewalk where I led my first person to Christ in Africa. We got done praying, and as I was praying, I was thinking, is this making a difference? Am I just holding a scalpel over his head and saying, You become a Christian now? Uh, What's going on? I looked up, and his smile. And his tears in his face told me what was going on. It was real. I said, "Araprono, what about this tube? And he said, let me tell you tomorrow. Next day, I went to the ward, and I saw Araprono, and he said, um, I've thought about it. I've talked with my mother. He was 22. He said, uh, I don't want that tube It's not going to make me live longer. It's not going to make me live maybe just a few days. He said, if you would discharge me, I'm happy because I'm just, I'm ready to go home. I said, Araprona, where where, where do you live? (laughs) Same smile, same tears. He said, no, that's not the home. I'm talking about. He said, would you just discharge me? I'm ready to go home. I'll see him someday. And I'm hoping that God will take that little piece of cement right there and put it up in heaven so I can stand on that with him someday. And we can just praise God together. But you can have that same opportunity to see how God works with what you give him. Just give him what you have and let God take it and turn it into 12 baskets of fish and bread from just your small little offering. Can I just ask another prayer for you? Father, thank you for this conference, and for this day, for these people, for these hearts, for the souls and the hearts, the boys, the girls, the mothers, the fathers, that you are asking all of us to take the message of the gospel to. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember the year Call sheets over there by the doorways? Uh, put your stickers on them if you're interested in them. Um, And if you have other questions about missions, here's the expert himself, David Stevens. He'll answer them all. Thank you.